Yo, man, it's your boy, Anki Mo, 60-year-old rapper with a bad knee. And I'm rolling with Nolazine Network. We're going to get this interview in, baby. Love y'all. Stay tuned and keep supporting my family. Respect. Where you from? Born and raised in New Orleans, 1950 at Charity Hospital. Charity Hospital? Man. <laughs> yeah, memories of Charity, huh? Ooh, Why do you think Charity still have, you know, all the lights on right now? That's crazy, man. <laughs> uh, they, got the, they got the hospital next to the VA, and the VA, those are two major hospitals, and that's covering most of the city, because uh, they got a trauma center. <laughs> In the Louisiana medical thing, uh, they got a trauma center. That's where I went after my car accident. Okay. Yeah, so uh, charity, I don't know what they're going to do with that, man. The city is so confused right now. We've got a city council that's lost. we got a mayor that's lost. we got a new police chief. She's firing four hot top executives. Too much going on while this crime is so ridden. And nobody ain't thinking about fixing this, man. It's going to get worse. Right. And speaking on crime, you know, you know, if you had a, you know, if you made a video, like, you know, you got to bring a gun everywhere you got to go. So, like, it's like, what made you make that video? Because I'm tired of seeing my people getting killed, man. We got beautiful kids in this city that are dying at a phenomenal rate. You got great artists that are getting killed over bullshit. We're not, we're not doing anything to protect our people in our city, yet we want to bring our people to our city. We need to clean up our house, man. We got to get our kids something to get involved with to be creative and not be robbers and carjack. Look at these street kids going to jail for murder. You, four of them, you literally, you literally, this dude was so evil to beat this old lady, dog. What kind of life had this kid lived to let him get to the point where he could actually beat this old lady down like that and then drag her body, dog? You know what kind of mind this kid's got? Come on, man. It's a destructive situation we created in this city. It's getting worse every day, and with the leadership we got, it ain't gonna never get no better. Just like our streets. All right, cause I just saw I just saw someone on the blogs. It was like you know, if they had one on like street, on like in Japan that was messed up, only got fixed on um, actually on like in a few days. And people say on like, here in New Orleans, but it might take if it a few years or none. <laughs> and you disrupt people's whole life. My good friend got the uh, fruit Orleans, man. And he, he started on the neutral ground. He invested in himself. He got the building across the street, put his business in the building. And then they come along and destroy the street where nobody can't get to this dude's business. So now he's suffering like a man. Dang, he can't crazy. get no money in there because the city's screwing up. You don't know when the street going to be ready. That's pitiful, bro. So, you know, bring it back to charity. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I, I always get caught up for pretty preaching oh, about good. my city. But, <laughs> but but you're right, get back to the interview. No, but we oh, wait, wait, oh, man, all this is part of the interview. Right, right. <laughs> Do you think Charity Hospital is actually haunted? Because, you know, I see some reports about it, but I don't know how you I, feel about it. I, I don't believe the spirits really work like that. Uh, I believe when spirits are back, they're mostly back for good to help protect and to keep you out of certain situations. I don't believe evil spirits exist. I believe. The evil spirits that do exist are in people's minds, and we create these monsters. That's why people do these school shootings, because those monsters are in their minds, and the only way that they can relieve that pain is through doing something as foolish as killing babies, man. So it's a mindset more than it is. Charity, they always say New Orleans is a haunted city because of the voodoo and all the other stuff. 
But uh, be real, man. You never seen a ghost. You know, if they had ghosts around here, somebody would have bumped into one and said, Hold up, there's a ghost. You know, we ain't never heard, seen that. So it's rumors. And people put shit like that out. But as far as for spirits and ghosts being, I'm sure they had a lot of babies that got killed in that place that shouldn't have died in that hospital. I'm sure of that. But uh, as far as for the ghosts still being there, I don't believe in all that. So, you know, and when we see you with the, you know, and with the shirt on, a death row, on like records. So I want to know how you made it all the way from New Orleans to actually meet Snoop Dogg and actually being on his show. Man, it's God power, man. I keep telling my kids, you got to invest in yourself and, and you got to believe in yourself. So I made a song in 2011. First, I lost everything in Katrina. And me and my nephew, Prav on the track, he's a producer. He makes beats for all kind of rappers and stuff. Well, he kept telling me, Uncle, let's do a rap song. Rap, do a rap song. I said, I'm not a rapper, Prav. He said, but uh, we had done a spoken word song. It went something like this. Uh, we were born in the Big Easy, which is now the Big Greasy. When we lived there, life was great. Everybody had the fate. But now my brain is filled with pain because they played that race game. Everybody said we want something for nothing. SBA, FEMA, rode back. All they did was made us call back. In reality, all we wanted was our homes back. But this was governmental meltdown on black folks. Yeah, I said it. The easy they flooded was black. The white easy is fine, but not mine. Not yours. They flooded yours and mine and washed us away. Away we must stay. Stay away, stay away. No way. I was born in the Big Easy, and I will die in the Big Easy. New Orleans was a chocolate city. Mayor said it, and he was burned for saying it. But I could stand the heat. It was a chocolate city. It was our chocolate city, ex-chocolate milk. They made a song about it. Groove City. You know, remember that? <laughs> That's how chocolate New Orleans was, man. Yeah, doggy. And, and, and what they did to the city, after the storm, I moved to Texas, and he was making beats for things. So that's why we did the spoken word. But then after that, I got all the way after the spoken word. I, I moved back to New Orleans, thank God, by the power of God, because I lost everything in Katrina like everybody else. But the people from Barnes & Noble Bookstore gave me a whole new brand house, brand new house on St. Bernard Avenue. Rooms to go furnish the house. He built a hundred of them. And I was blessed to get one of those houses. So I moved back to New Orleans thinking everything's good now. I got a 25-foot boat. I'm living good. I'm retired. But when God got work for you, you have no control over what God going to do. So they had an oil spill in 2009, if you remember. Fucked all, messed all the fishing up in Louisiana. So I sold my boat and moved to California. The year before I sold my boat, the Saints won the Super Bowl. We put the boat and the trailer and the truck in the parade for Mardi Gras. And we was rolling that thing. And I had, wait a minute, hold up. That's crazy, man. I don't even know if I had bad knee, but I must have had bad knee because we was rolling. My mind be gone. But anyway, it's a long story. But I sold the boat, moved to California, thinking I'm going to stay by my mother and father where I brought them to live after Katrina. So I'm in California and... I'm staying in a senior sitting apartment complex because it was cheaper. Well, I got into it with the manager. She wouldn't renew my lease. She forced me to go back to New Orleans because my money was funny. I get back in New Orleans, this is when I make Bad Knee, my very first song. It went viral. It went so crazy. So now I got to see if I got a real hit. I go around Kermit Ruffin Club. I'm all in the street on my car dancing, singing. I go around the French Quarter. I go about to see if the white folks like it. Because if you got something good with white and black folk eat it up, now you got something. You know what I'm saying? So the white folks was eating it up. So I took it to Atlanta 
Got on the back of my car and was doing it on the back of the car. Bad knee shit. Came back and uh, I saw he was doing so good. So now I moved to California in 2011. I worked the song, meeting people. 2013, I go, I moved back. I mean, 2012, I moved back to New Orleans. 2013, I moved back to LA. 13 is when I went to the BET Awards. I paid a thousand dollars for a ticket, but that accessed me areas where you couldn't go on a normal basis. You know what I mean with the celebrities and stuff. So, at the celebrity basketball game, I never forget Beyonce's song was playing. And I got front row. I'm right by the railing, so I'm starting doing that New Orleans thing to her music. You know what I mean? I'm jumping it up, and everybody fucking fucking with me. So I see Percy Snoop's bodyguard, and I hold this uh, pimp cane I made up for him. I made a pimp cane for him. I said, Percy, come here. He comes to the rest. I said, I got this cane for Snoop. I want to present. He said, well, all right, let me go see what's happening. He go back. He talked to Snoop. He comes back, talk to me. He tell me, he said, Snoop said, stand by the railing. He come and fuck with you. I'm standing by the railing. Now, the people in the back heard that. So now the railing is tight as a motherfucker because they know Snoop coming over here. So I'm jammed up on the railing. So when Snoop come there, I'm 72, I'm over 60 something years old. I take the phone. I do like that. He said, what you doing, huh? I said, I'm finna take a picture. Man, give me the goddamn phone. He take the phone out of my hand and he do a video. This my uncle from the LBC. This the coolest motherfucker you gonna ever see. Put that out there. But I still didn't get to smoke with him or nothing. So a couple of weeks later, I'm doing an interview on this show called LA, uh, Apollo Night LA. And his partner comes to the show, Big uh, 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 Pimpin' Silky. And Pimpin' Silky come to the show, he just got out the junk. And Silky tell me, man, we all we in the jailhouse, man. Everybody rocking with you, man. They fuck with you big time. So I had to come meet you. So he he came on the set with me. I did the little show for Apollo night. A couple of weeks later, Silky called me, said Snoop won't meet you. He said, Can you come to the park? I go to the park, we get in the truck, we, and you got video, all these videos on YouTube. Me, him, and two of his partners in the truck. And I'm trying to preach to my kids the whole journey that I'm on. When I walk up to the truck, Snoop's partner jumps out the front seat and he so I could get in the front with Snoop. And I want y'all to learn things. This is a respect factor. This man rides with Snoop every weekend. I'm visiting. I could visit my nephew from the back seat, my nigga. You ride with this man every week. You take your gunshot seat. I'm sitting in the fucking back. So when you see the video, you can see Snoop's turned sideways facing in the back of the truck to talk to me. Always put respect first. Always put respect first. That man rides with this dude every weekend. I'm visiting. Do what you're supposed to do. So we had our little visit and everything went good. So uh, a while later, he called me up after that meeting. And one day he said, man, look, I want you to do me a favor. I said, yeah, what's up, dog? He said, I want you to be on my Thanksgiving Day special, but I want you to wear your Spider-Man suit. Because I was doing a lot of Instagrams with Spider-Man suits on and shit, you know. He said, but, he said, I want you to wear your Spider-Man suit. I said, man, fuck that. I wear two of them bitches. <laughs> so I was on the special. And what was so great about this Thanksgiving Day special we sitting at the table. It's me, him, Two Short, T.I., Magic Down Juan, Slank Johnson, uh, Llewellyn, a whole panel of us, uh, Ray Grant, all of us at the table. So T.I. come in. T.I. wasn't even scheduled to be here. So when T.I. comes in, everybody gets up to go greet T.I. Man, I'm fucking, nah, that man, there ain't nobody know who the fuck I am. I'm not going to run up there. You know what I'm saying? I'll meet T.I. when time is right. So I'm sitting out there trying to get my head ready for whatever we're about to do on this show thing, and I'm still smoking and rolling. So when they get ready to take the group picture, Snoop called me and said, Uh, come on, get in this picture. Now, I never went to go meet T.I. And that was my fault, all right? 
I'm not a groupie though. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that would have made me a groupie, but I know I'm gonna meet this cat in God's time in the proper manner. So Dick Snoop called me, said, "Man, come get in this picture, huh?" So I go in the front to get in the, in the picture, and, and Sling Johnson in the back. He said, "Huh, come on back here, cause you tall." Which he was right. But when I go to get in the back, Snoop said, "Man, fuck that, nigga, kneel on in the front. That you belong in the front of this motherfucker." Now I don't know what this cat seeing me like that, but this dude shows me so much fucking real love, dog. And you know, I've never, I never played one of my songs for Snoop. I never told Snoop about my music. That's not what my goal is to make my fame through my nigga. That's my nigga. That's my nerve, my jelly preserve. He friended me. I don't want fame off of Snoop. I want fame off of my fucking effort, nigga. That's why I grind. That's why you see me on calls. That's why you see me every fucking when I'm getting these interviews. That's why you see me keep pushing this program. I want you to see what God can do, not what Snoop could do. Everybody know what Snoop could do. I need you to know what God could do. A 72-year-old Vietnam veteran, tan charts up, sounds like bad knee, deep in the game, juke joint, best friend, I don't give a fuck who the fuck is dead, get high. Come on, man, how many more you want? I'm going to give it all to you. And I ain't even been in the studio, nigga. Every time I go in the studio, it's one song, I drop that bitch and it hit. I'm not bragging on me, I'm bragging on God. You need to know the fucking difference. I only can do what I can do because of the power of God. I got to meet Snoop. Yeah, I invested my money, but it's a pattern in your life. Your whole life is a journey. Ride the journey. Get on the wave and ride the wave and enjoy every bit of it. I was in a car wreck two weeks ago. Nigga, I was banged up like a motherfucker. Do that stop me? Fuck no. There's a bump in the road? Yeah, but you get over your bumps and you keep grinding. And I'm going to smoke with my nigga again and I'm going to do a song with my nigga. But all things are in God's time. Y'all got to stop thinking because I've been doing this seven years. I've been doing this ten years. I should have been famous by now. No, motherfucker, you get famous when God ready for you to get famous. Don't get it twisted. And I'm not a religious guy. I'm very spiritual. Get out the book. The book was designed to control you. Jesus was a man just like you a man. You were the son of God just like Jesus was the son of God. So that makes you godly. Live like it. So... How did you come up all right, with your rap name or that's your, or that's your real name? No, uh, after Vietnam, I was militant. And we all picked up African names. Emo is Swahili for a person that loves freedom, a wanderer. So when I got the music game, everybody called everybody unk. So all the cat, young cats call you unk, so I put it with emo, unk emo, and just rolled with that. And I was with Snoop, and, and one day I hoped to get rid of that name because I got so much respect for Snoop. And he's always been everybody's uncle. That nigga was my uncle. I told him in the studio, I said, my nigga. He said, uncle, you the shit. I said, nigga, you was my uncle. You was every fucking body uncle. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so out of respect, when I get famous, I'm, 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 and when I say famous, I just mean to the point where I got enough money to do what like I really need to do. I'm opening a church called the House of Cannabis. At that point, I will alter my name. My name then will become Reverend Herb. Because my whole mission is to get everybody to understand that this comes from God, literally. Mankind screwed over the greatest creation given to mankind. My shirts that I gave you, the one I gave you, is made out of hemp. All my clothing will be made out of hemp. All the houses that I'm going to build for my folks are going to be made out of hemp. We have to change the system. We can't keep waiting for the system to change. So I got big goals. And the main reason I got into rap is this book. I finally wrote it. This book, I'm going to give you a copy, I'm going to autograph it for you, and, and it's about what happened to us in Vietnam. Five young black guys trying to serve their country. I was 18 years old. 
I volunteered to serve. My first mission was basic training. I got a promotion. I was an E2. My second one was advanced individual training. I got a promotion. I was an E3. I was sent to Vietnam in April of 60, 69. After three months in Vietnam, I got, let me see, April, May, June. Yeah, after three months, I got another promotion. I was an E4. My military career was going great. Then we had a fight with a mess sergeant. After that fight, my life went into a terrible, disastrous situation. In the military, if you get in a fight, if you do something wrong, you get an Article 15 or you get a court-martial. That's military justice. Instead, what they did to us five, they locked us up in connexes for three days. On the third night, they came and got us out of our connexes, and they took us to the airport. They sent each one of us to a different unit within Vietnam. They changed what we were trained to do and everything. Now, I don't know what happened to those dudes. I don't know their names. I don't know nothing. But by me getting famous, I'm going to find these four brothers and I'm going to get them justice. So you're never going to see me slow my pace. You're never going to see me stop this mission. And you will see me one day stand on, on the stage with these four dudes as I get them the award for what the fuck happened to them. The United States, you want to hold everybody accountable? Bitch, I'm holding your motherfucking ass accountable. You sprayed Agent Orange on us. You knew you were spraying the poison on us. You fucked over us in this story here. Five veterans and you treated them like slaves. Like you used to do a slave on the plantation. When that slave would act up, you'd come get him in the middle of the night and you send him to go to another plantation so you could keep peace on your plantation. Bitch, we was in a motherfucking war fighting for the country. We wasn't on no motherfucking plantation. So we're going to fix this. We're not going to catch the ones responsible because they're probably old and dead. Not No disrespect, man. But they fucked over five cats, man. And I'm going to find these five cats justice. So if you got any passion for veterans like you say y'all do, go get the book. It's on uh, uh, Amazon right now. It's on Amazon right now. Order the book. If you get it, I'll, wherever you at, I'll figure out a way to sign it and send it back to you or whatever. But I need all the help I can get so we can get justice for these five cats. Well, four, count five, counting me. Gotcha. So, being, you know, you know, working around, you know, if it's a record and everything like that, but I want to bring it back. Like, I want, if I want some, you know, if some real, I mean, lawless history. Because everybody don't know, you know, a few people know. Well, like, you've been traveling around, like, but, like, you know, back in the day, you know, they got the West Bank, the East Bank, and different things like that. And, like, a lot of people don't actually know that, you know, actually when, like, New Orleans was built, it was only the French Quarter in Algiers. So, like, I want you just to, like, there you was know, no, give a few little history on New Orleans. There was no New Orleans East. There was nothing past Diamond Road. There wasn't no Diamond Road. All that was woods, wilderness. Then it started slowly progressing. Uh, back in the day, New Orleans was so fucking racist that our people, my, my old, our older folks, say the 40s and the 50s, they were stuck in their head that they were a different breed than black folks. They were called Creoles. There's literally no difference in the black and the Creole. It's just your bloodline that they're telling you got different elements in your bloodline. But what's kicks is how my people ran with that dumb shit. How they used to have parties, and if you was darker than a brown paper bag, you couldn't get in that party. That was the curriculum to get in the party. So anybody who was a shade darker than me, or two shades darker than me, you couldn't get in the fucking party. There's a club on Samanau called the Autocrat Club. 
that club was designed for red niggas in the seven ward. And no dark skinned niggas couldn't get in there. Until in the sixties, then we start red niggas start befriending black folks like they were supposed to, and they start opening the door. And they start slowly opening the door more and more. But we had racism in our own race, man. In New Orleans. Dip fucking straight up. You know, my grandmother told me, make sure you marry a woman that's red. With you know, without no big nose, with no big lip. Grandma, what you fucking talking about? So I basically Vietnam saved me. The army saved me. Because back in the day, blacks and whites, we didn't know each other in New Orleans. We stayed in the seven, six, eight ward, nine ward. Nobody wasn't we wasn't relating with each other like that. There was uptown in their world, you know what I'm saying? Even Algiers, we started moving to Algiers. Blacks started migrating to Algiers, but Algiers was mostly white back in the day. That Algiers point? Oh, that was mostly all white. You know, and then when Gentilly opened up, they had two parts of Gentilly. The front part was white. The back part started selling to the blacks. Where Punch Strang Golf Course is, mm -hmm. they started selling to the blacks. So that area became black while this area was still white. And then they start selling it, and then all the white folks got all out of Gentilly Woods. So, you know, speaking on, you know, able to love a rap, you know, I gotta get, I'm like a little, I'm like history, even on New Orleans rap music. Like, you know, when do you think about the city of New Orleans fully, I'm like, adapted onto, like, you know, how hip hop music? Oh, shit. They've been doing it when they, when they, when they started rolling because P&M was out there hustling on the street, you know what I'm saying, selling D CDs and shit. And for them CDs to be selling at the rate they were selling at, New Orleans was accepting rap. They had basically got into it big time. Lil Wayne and them jumped on the map and shit so big back in the day that they literally took rap from Louisiana and put it on the main stage. And that's what really got it where it's really going. That's why all these other artists, Currency and everybody else popping off in the city because they set the basis for this. But see, I took it back old school. I was like Pete. I was on the street selling CDs. I was on my car dancing on the top of my car. That's the promotion that I used learning from him. Street hustle. Your people love you. Your people are going to support you, even though our people don't have that kind of money. And I preach this to people. Even like with my book. When I go sell my book, people say I'm a racist motherfucker. I'm a real nigga. When I go sell my book, I see you on the street, I sell you my book for $10. Right? I go to a white person, you know what I tell him? Give me a donation. I don't sell it to Whitey. Whitey got so much fucking money, it's stupid. So what he gonna do? He'll give you a 20. At least he gonna give you as a 10. But he'll give you a 20. I was at the track the other day during my book. And the white dude I told get a book for a donation, I'm getting 20. My people don't have money like Whitey got it. Why you think all these festivals around New Orleans every fucking weekend? You can't afford to go to all that shit. Whitey can. I'm not racist. I'm realist. The city needs to divide the income of what's coming into this city with the black folk. Then we can end all this crime shit if you share the wealth. But until you share the wealth, my kids come and get that bitch. They don't know no better. So until you open these doors and let these festivals hire black folks, hire black bands, bring in some cooks from the, the, the uh, uh, chefs and shit from the black neighborhood, they got this big hog festival coming out. You think black people can't barbecue? The fuck, man? They don't want to infringe. They don't want us in their world. But we got to change that. How we change that? By us uniting. They got white people that will support us, but we got to support ourselves first. We're not supporting ourselves, so how the fuck we want whitey to support us? 
We got to change, my nigga. Facts. So, being, I'm like, you know, traveling with your song and everything like that. Tell us what do you, I'm like, enjoy the most about the process. And tell us what do you actually, I'm like, hate about the process of traveling and like getting your name out there. Uh, it's a learning experience. Everything you do is a process. I was driving back and forth to California, sometimes by myself. A lot of times my daughter helped me drive back and forth. But I know in my heart, I got to do what I got to do. I can't depend on nobody else. This is a one-man battle. If I don't get on that road and take that car to California and promote this music, it ain't going to go nowhere. So I take and go out on a limb. I went to Denver one year in 2018. I just went to Denver. Froze my ass off yeah. and that bitch dog went from 80 down to fucking 13 in one day. But you got to do it. And I learned then. I learned not to go back to Denver. <laughs> yeah, but I went to Denver and I didn't even stay that long. <laughs> Yeah, but I heard flew to California. I said, I'm going to just go to Cali. <laughs> now, when I left Cali, I was contemplating moving to Vegas or either in the mountains between Vegas and L.A. But my family's all in New Orleans. So, you know, I had you to come. You always make your way back. I had to come back home, man. Fuck, that's where my love is. My daughter, my son, come on, your kids. Gotcha. And shout out to my daughter, too, Trey, man. If y'all ever need some good catering, y'all better get with my daughter. She got the fire, fire on the bayou. Trey Brown. T Bizzle on Instagram. So, you know, so you you know, if you drop the book, you know, if it's creating clothes with um hemp, like tell us I'm like, what's next for you? Uh they got a big event in Washington coming up, a veterans fifty year anniversary for veterans from Vietnam. I already bought my ticket my flight ticket for that. So that's big. That's gonna be a real big event and that's gonna give me where I can really put this book out with all those veterans that's going to be out there. So that's a big, big look. Uh, after that, my next move, uh, I'm headed overseas. I got to get overseas. My record was number one in, U well, in Ukraine. <laughs> and uh, Tupac's record was number one in 1995 in the same country where my record was number one in 2005. So you know I got to go follow up on that. So I got to hit down. I got to hit Australia. I got a couple uh, uh Europe, I got to hit. I got a couple of moves I got to make. But uh, then when I return from overseas, I'm going to get on a song with my nephew, Snoop. I'm coming, Neff. I'm going to do my shots with Snoop. I never took my pictures with my nephew yet. reason I never asked him to do it, he told me, he said, when we take our pictures, it's going to be epic. That's what he told me. But I never pushed the issue why, because I don't have the outfits. I don't have the money to get the outfits. You understand? When I go with this dude and do pictures, nigga, I'm going to pimp city hard. Go you, hard, uh, nigga, I'm going to be clean as a motherfucking boy to hell, bitch. Ain't going to be nothing in that motherfucker said, that's my uncle? Look at this nigga, man. <laughs> gotcha. So, hey, what's your advice uh, to someone, I'm like young, and hey, watching this interview, and hey, hearing your journey, like, I just want to hear hey, like a little advice I'm like, that you have for them. Basic bottom line of life. You were only given life for two reasons. To create and to share love. That's why God gave you life. You need to learn how to share love by speaking to everybody again. Stop. Get out of what's been put in your head about you. You got homeless people that if you just say hello to, you might save that man's life. You might take, take his whole outlook on life and change it. You got people going through shit, might be committing, about to commit suicide. But if you just say hello, you might change that mindset. Open your mouth to everybody. Speak to everybody. And the other part is create. Your creations are going to get better as you do them. This is what I preach, man. 
They're putting kids in school to learn history, English, uh, geometry, science, uh, all this shit that makes no sense after you get out of school. My thing is this. Find what your child loves. If that's what your child loves, promote that. Push that on your child. Because that's going to make your child jump out of the bed every morning instead of just get out the bed. And understand this factor. No one great got out the bed and was great. He had to work it. Tiger Woods was the greatest golfer of all time. But guess what? You always saw Tiger Woods. I'm not, and I'm not a great Tiger Woods fan after some of the shit he did. But I mean, he's still a great golfer. Fuck. And he earned that right because he practiced. You got to make music. You love it. Make more. Now, I'm not saying just keep dropping hit after hit. No. Work it. Make sure you're getting better with every song you do. And stop trying to make 40 and 50 songs in a month. Make quality over quantity. You don't need but four, five, six, seven good, good songs. You're making 40 and 50 songs. It ain't going no way. You're killing your producer. He's giving you all his hard-earned energy, putting that solid beat together, and you just throwing anything on it. No. Write your music. Stop talking about all this, I can spit off the hip. Nigga, you talking about car shit don't motherfucker matter. Write something that matters. Write something. That's what that pen was given to you for. Well, I could just spit it out. Oh, yeah, but it's garbage. I don't understand what the fuck you saying. Give me some substance. Give me some life shit. Give me something to work with. And all y'all got skills. Don't believe you don't have it in you. You got to believe it, though. Because you can't sell something that you don't believe in. If you don't believe in yourself, ain't no fucking body going to believe in you. You got to believe in you first. You got to love this person first. You can't love a woman until you love you. And you got to learn how to love you. Because y'all love you by buying shit. That ain't love. That's not love. That's buying shit. So even if you got rich, all you're going to do is go buy more shit. Change your mindset. Change your life, man. Gotcha. And also, uh, but last but not least, I'm like, tell the world, actually, all right, what can they find you at? On social media and just everywhere. Uh, I'm not out that much, so... Uh, <laughs> I think if you type in these five, what is it, six letters? Yeah, six, huh? U-N-C-I-M-O on any platform. My website is unkemo.com. My Instagram is unkemo. Facebook, unkemo. YouTube, unkemo. Everything you could type in, just put in the Google. Unkemo, anything. My music on Spotify is on iTunes, is on TuneCore. Uh, anywhere you want to find me, you can find me. If you're in the city of New Orleans and you want my book and you want it autographed, you just got to hit me a DM on Instagram and I can come pass by you or meet you wherever. I got an event coming up on the 19th. Shout out to everybody that's going to be on that event with me. Uh, so many fine, so many great artists. But it's going to be at Cafe Istanbul on the 19th. And then on the 22nd, I'm doing a 420 event at Armstrong Park. Shout out to all veterans that want to use cannabis for medicine. If you want to be on the panel and discuss your need for cannabis, I suggest you get in touch with me on Instagram. DM me. I'm looking for all veterans that want to get on the platform and discuss how cannabis has benefited your life. And even if you're not a veteran and you want to discuss how cannabis has blessed your life, on 422, we're going to be at Armstrong Park trying to represent God and cannabis. We rolling, man. Come on. Now let's make this pop. All right. We done. Shout out to all my kids.